sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. It's July the 9th, 2020. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia here with you on Fantasy Sports Today, Monday through Friday, every day, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Pizzapia 17. We got Brett Levy, as always, producing the show by our side for the entire two hours. Great to be with you. What's going on, Joe? Always happy to be here talking sports. I know we got a great show today. Bob Harris joining us. Very excited. One of my old buddies, my old pals there uh, from the old Sirius XM days and yours as well. And I love talking football with Bob and very excited to have him on the program. And uh, yeah, I mean, another day, another set of birthdays, another set of positive tests. It's just how we roll here on FST. This is what we do, you know? Yeah, that, that that's part of it for sure. Uh, for and, hopefully uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll have statistics. Two we'll weeks, have games. right? Two, Two weeks, weeks from today? It's like that, you know, one of my favorite old 80s movies is The Money Pit. Remember that movie with Tom Hanks? And, it was uh, a movie that did not do well, but I am aware of it, yes. But, you know, it did not do well, but it's one of those movies that lived on in greater fame on cable over years That's and years true. of people they watching it. They play it all the time. I and, all the, and it's still funny. I showed it to my kids last summer. They thought it was hysterical. And one of my favorite bits there is Joe Montani, who plays the contractor, right? Who uh, everything he asks him about whenever this is going to be done, he always goes, "Yeah, two weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah. What, what, what? We have to like take this off and do this, and we're gonna take the right. whole floor and move it over there, and we're gonna bring this floor up. Well, how long is that gonna take? Eh, two weeks. Every time. That's it. So yeah, hopefully, uh, two weeks. We'll have sports. Two weeks. Two weeks. I mean, we're really two weeks away from baseball. I mean, that's crazy to think, but uh, that's where we're at. <laughs> that's where we're at. Uh, I'll be. I think I'm heading back to the ballpark this weekend. I think that it's time for me to go make another uh, appearance there. Um, speaking of appearances, for $350, you could watch, guess what, Joe, all the Cubs games this year. Wrigley Field's rooftop, you know the people that yeah. are outside Wrigley Field, they can only have a certain amount of capacity, but they are selling tickets for $350 of pop to watch the Cubs. And it got me thinking, I mean, how do I, how should I feel about that, Joe? Like, I mean, are people well, going to be selling like, tickets before that? They were, but now it's a it's a coveted. You you can't see a game otherwise in person. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's it's okay. not possible anywhere in the country. The older so I get, in like, person is less of a deal for me. I like being. I like my seventy five inch TV. I like no, the beer no, fridge. You gotta acknowledge though, a lot of people like going to games though. Well, I I acknowledge it, but again, not everybody is like you or me. I know. Like, I, like, you and I are old curmudgeon. You know, terrible. We're people very happy like, watching it on TV. We're very yeah, happy I mean, look, with I, the bathroom being right honestly, there. Honestly, at this stage, I, look. I, as we've illustrated, unfortunately, in the last 90 days, I've seen it all. I mean, I've been for everything, okay? I'm a bad example of somebody to ask of these situations because I've, I've been to them and I've never paid. Right. But, but so I'm not a good example of this. But even with free access to the NFL, I would never go anymore. And that's no indictment on the NFL. It's just a no. big to-do to go it's, to an NFL game. you got to get there an hour before. you got to hope. And, and it's going to take you. It's going to punch you. Like it's there's, <laughs> it's it's not the pleasant experience that it is now for media. Look, you're right in. You're eating food. It's free. You're oh probably, yeah. Oh, credentialed. I can't imagine what that's like. But I can't, a, I'm but sure. The fan it's experience for me, in general, in the NFL, is not all that pleasant. And yeah. even to see some of the best games, I would pass. College is a little bit different because it's like an experience, and it's and well, there's also yeah. a lot of downtime in the NFL game, and and we like you and I watch NFL, especially for me. Like I'm a red zone kind of guy. Like I, I like seeing all the different games. All. And the that's the thing. Like, I need to be watching it all. Like me just yeah. watching one standalone game. Like that's fine for Sunday night when the kids go to bed, but it's not fine during the day because Monday I got to come here or, or on my podcast or wherever I am and be doing a show about everything that I saw. Cause uh, not everybody's going to see everything. And that that's important. That's my job. So that's the other thing too, is like, even from a, from a practicality standpoint, going to games, but $350 to sit on a rooftop. Right, so that's the point here. Okay, so that's so that's what I'm trying to get at uh -huh. here. Is this right? Is it right? Yeah. Sure. So don't you so so should the Western Supply Building in San Diego open up and charge $300 a ticket for those people to sit right outside there on top of that building too and sure. should 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 the Goodyear blimp, you know, you could pay $1000 and they'll just fly you right yep. over Yankee Stadium and you can this watch This is the game America. Too? 
This is America. If you got enough money, you can do anything you want in America. So yeah, so yeah, I think they should. I mean, this is capitalism. Everyone's trying to make a buck. You know. I mean, I guess so, but it feels feels a little. It feels sluggish. dirty. You feel dirty. Feels That's all right. Well, look, it's not like they weren't selling tickets on those buildings before. So if they just hiked up the price, how much was it before? Was it $150 to sit on the roof? I'm sure it, it was, was something a lot less like than $350. Yeah. Even so, let's say it's $150. You could buy a ticket, Joe, to the game for $50. Bucks. You can, <laughs> but there's the novelty of saying, I got to watch it from up here on this deck, and I don't have to deal with the general public. But we'll keep I that guess, in mind. But now it is the place to be. And I, and I think they're going to sell out every game. Well, I think look, people I are going to want to go. Game I saw one game in Wrigley Field, and I saw it from the bleachers, and it was awesome. And uh, I <laughs> I sat behind a guy who had a Sosa jersey, and this was post the Sosa era, and it had duct tape, and I can't remember. He had duct tape across it, like a big X. And I'm trying to remember who the player was now that he wrote in over with another piece of tape of the name of the guy who was playing, I guess, left field for them at the time. I don't know if it was like Todd Hollinsworth or something like that. I think it was something like that. And I was like, wow, this is Wrigley Field. This is the Bleacher Bums. This is awesome. And I, and that's that's what you go there for. But that being said, if somebody's crazy enough to pay $350, go for it. If that's what I you want to spend it, I, There's nothing wrong with the hustle. And I get it. And I've always been a hustler. If you can make money, you got to make money any way you can. So I do understand it. But it does feel a little bit like... Every stadium now, hey. every baseball stadium is going to find a way to get you so where you can watch it, and that's going to you know, sixty-five a bucks from my sunroom. I'll let you go watch me play a wiffle ball, and I'll give you a hot dog. I, that's it. That's a good deal. Twenty percent off with from the, the pizza pizza from black the sunroom. Too. You get a black book. Black book. You get everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, along along those lines, the Baltimore Ravens uh, yesterday also announced that uh, if there are allowed fans in the state of Maryland, which is in question in two or three mm. months, I get that that the number is approximately 14,000 that will be allowed to go see Ravens games this year. And, you know, certainly this is a good sign that they feel that they can allow this. I would say, Joe, do you think that this actually will happen? Do you do you uh, think that there actually will be fans in a stadium? You know the kind of pressure that's going to come in from the NFL to push for this. Uh, but I, I wonder when it's all said and done in two or three months that they'll have any fans at all. I feel like we're getting closer and closer to this NFL season. And mm -hmm. I don't think a single fan is going to a baseball game this year. But if they're going to allow 14,000 in uh, in the Ravens stadium, then why can't they allow five or 10,000 in the Orioles stadium? In That's right. I think it's unlikely. That would be my guess. Unlikely is what I would say. Now, if the season gets delayed, like you talked about, like maybe if they push back and start in October instead of September, Everything got pushed back. Okay, maybe. Well, I think they're going to start on time. I think it's going to stop. You think they're going to have a ah? See, that is even trickier. The stoppage of a season is is so difficult to do. I mean, Major League Baseball. Ah, uh, I know. I mean, you know what? I think they might be better off. It's not to a start. fun prediction. It's not a fun prediction. I hate your prediction. Actually, I don't want it at all to happen. Uh, but there's some other, look. I would say no, and I would say whatever gives us the best chance to have games is what I want. So if it means no crowd, okay, just give me football on TV. And maybe for the playoffs we have it. Okay, like maybe by January or in the dead of winter, like maybe for Thanksgiving, that's the first time we have crowd, Thanksgiving football. That's reasonable. That's I, fine. I the White Sox, anything. by the way, yeah. did you see what they're doing? They're putting some cardboard cutouts of fans. Oh, all the teams are doing it now. Yeah, I, I'm all a big fan of that. Hopefully we have, Giants. you know. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's why I want your season ticket. You could be like standing there. Like hey, this. man, I want pumped in crowd noise. Give me pumped in crowd noise. Just like I was in Montreal for three games and I'm telling you there was pumped in crowd noise. You know how I know? Sure there was. Because there was 350 the Nets people. used to pump it in. I yeah. remember that. I was there. I went to a game where they pumped yeah. in. It was, yeah. it was very okay. obvious. So it's um, and it's fine. <laughs> but I haven't found anything to be weird yet. I, I don't know that I will. I don't think. I don't think baseball is going to be weird without the fans. I think it's going to be okay. It'll be, it'll be a little eerie, but I don't think it'll be weird. I don't think the NFL will be weird. I think the NBA, although I think they're going to play out, I think that's going to be weird. Like they're playing in these stadiums. Uh, that's going like to be these, strange. These places in Orlando with, with yeah. uh, like the same court, I guess. Well, not the same court. I mean, they, own, they, they delivered the courts, by the way, to Orlando, but they're all playing like in the same exact location. I think they're yeah. going to get it done. I do. I think they're going to get it done. But I think that is going to be the weird one for me. <laughs> it's going to be a weird moment. Every like game is the same spot. Left, he hits a big three, and it's quiet. It's just 
dead quiet in the crowd. Yeah, you're right about that. Baseball on TV looks like baseball on TV with all the close-ups and things like that. You don't see the crowd really unless there's a ball hit into the outfield or a foul ball for the most part. The yeah, NFL the KBO games don't seem weird on TV at all. No, but I mean, it's it's weird for the teams also in the NFL that have massive home field advantages, like the Seahawks, let's say. You know, when you take the crowd out of that place, that's that's really different. And I don't think you can be inconsistent. I don't think you can have a crowd in some places like, well, no, COVID's not bad here. Baltimore may be first to start. Yeah. Well, but here's the maybe problem. Maybe that's the number. Maybe it's 25% of all stadiums. I don't know, man. But, but how can you say that, like, if Texas is not going well, right? How can you tell Jerry Jones he can't open up to the crowd there, but you could do well, it? In- it is a state-by-state deal with this. That's the problem. Yeah, but it's, it's also an unfair advantage when you have a home crowd, even a crowd, as opposed to zero. I think it's you – know, your home turf is one thing. Home crowd is another. And in the NFL, it is such a game of momentum. It is such big swings. And, and obviously, with the crowd's into it, the adrenaline of what's going on, and not to mention – you know, the difficulty of a loud crowd like you used to get back in the day in Minnesota. Well, yeah, I think the new building's super loud, too. Uh, but, like, you know, where guys, you know, are covering their ears, they can't hear, they're trying to get the signals. It's a huge advantage for teams. And when you take that away sometimes from some places, I don't see that being a level playing field. And I kind of have a problem with that. Like, you have to have everybody have fans or nobody have fans. And if people can't have fans, then... You can't have some organizations well, have that. The, that's not the way it's going to work. I live well, in South Florida. I can tell you right now. It's, that's not the way we work here. You close down, we open up. We <laughs> we'll show you. <laughs> How's that working out, by the way, down there? doesn't look too good. <laughs> it's not too great. Not but we uh, did get haircuts. So. You did get a haircut. We did, you know. we did get the haircut. So uh, it's crazy times, man. Crazy. All right. Uh, Here's what we're going to do. we got a lot to cover here on the show. As Joe mentioned, Bob Harris, football diehard, is going to be with us a little bit later on, so make sure you stick around for the entire two hours of the show. Uh, In addition to that, we're going to go through some baseball win totals today, and we're going to dive into uh, the two New York teams, the Yankees and the Mets. We also will discuss the Oakland Athletics, so stay tuned for that as well. And just as a reminder, you can catch our show and all shows over on our website at sportsgrid.com. We are streaming live 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All you have to do is bookmark that website on your web browser, on your phone, or wherever you are, and you can watch or listen to our show. And the best part about it, it's absolutely free. On the audio side, we launched Sports Grid Radio very recently. Scott Wetzel is hosting a very early morning show. For those of you early risers, Bagels and Bad Beats, make sure you tune into his show as well. Find more info about it on our website. And also, we made a big announcement yesterday in case you missed it. Pat McAfee is joining us here at SportsGrid as we partner up with FanDuel. Pat, FanDuel, SportsGrid, we are all together as we take you into the summer where sports returns. It's going to be a lot of fun. And if you want to have fun and get down on some bets, of course, the only place to do it, as far as we are concerned, is over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. So we'll take a quick timeout. We come back. It is time for This Day in Fantasy Sports History. And our fantasy sports birthdays. You don't want to miss it. More fantasy sports today here on Sports Grid. We're back right after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. It's time for this day in fantasy sports history and our fantasy sports birthdays for July the 9th, 2020. And we're going to run through a lot of birthdays, but uh, for some reason, not a lot happening in July. You know, it's funny that what is always known as the All-Star break, Joe, tends Mm -hmm. to be the slowest time in professional and college sports. When the All-Star game is typically on a Tuesday, you have uh, Monday night, uh, you have Monday night, you have the home run derby. Uh, But then Wednesday, you have nothing. And then usually Thursday, you have nothing. And then the baseball games come back Friday. And I know there's been all this fun anecdotal stuff saying there is stuff going on. But in general, for people in our industry, the best time to take off was usually this time. (laughs) It was usually usually this time of the year because right after the All-Star break, it was essentially for, I, I think, a lot of people in the fantasy community and the reality community Uh, You come back after the All-Star break, you have the second rush for baseball, and then, of course, you have uh, training camps opening for football. And so a different scenario this year. It's like all the warm-up to get to the point where we're going to be in two weeks. Yeah, well, I don't know what this vacation is you speak of. Uh, I I don't know what you're talking about. That sounds like a fun thing to do. I'd like to do that. Uh, If anyone knows of a way that 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 can happen, I'm game. Please sign me up for that. 
Uh, but I think you're right. I think July is kind of like the pause because it's before we start getting the college football camp stuff ramping up. It's before NFL training camps are really full bore. So, yeah, and, and baseball kind of is that little pause in the season there. Um, but, I, you know, I, I've always, you know, as a kid, was always a big fan of the All-Star break because it was that first chance you got to see a lot of these other players on these American League teams you didn't always see. And it's just amazing how different the game is now where you get to see everyone on every team all the time right in your hand, right on your cell phone. And it's just crazy to me how different that is and, and how unique and, and people kind of take it for granted in a way that, you know, when everybody lined up there and tipped their cap and got announced, it was a weird, exciting moment in my childhood. Now it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Trout. Great. Terrific. <laughs> a little different for sure. In it fact, a year, a year ago, very soon, either tomorrow or the next day, I was actually in New York uh, broadcasting from uh, the studios there. I took a, I had a week off and went up to New York with my whole family and my daughter was in a camp and I oh, spent some time right. broadcasting. It was, well, I was like right. one year ago today or tomorrow, very, very, very close to now. Uh, anyway, anyway, uh, this day in fantasy sports history for the ninth, a short list. Not a lot today because, again, this time in sports, usually not a lot happening. Uh, 1969, uh, the NBA MVP, Wilt Chamberlain, was traded from the 76ers to the Lakers. He did win a title with L.A. He was the first player in the history of the NBA to win an MVP and then get traded the following year. That, of course, has happened also in baseball. Most recently, Giancarlo Stanton was traded mm -hmm. by the Marlins after winning the MVP and then going to the Yankees. And, you know, certainly uh, in the history of the NBA, Wilt Chamberlain is either in a class by himself or a class with very few others. There's no doubt about that. No, without a doubt. When you think of the great centers to ever play the game, it's Wilt, it's Bill Russell, it's Kareem, maybe even Shaquille O'Neal you could kind of put in that conversation as well. I mean, very different game at the time, but certainly in that conversation. But Wilt Chamberlain also one of the uh, guys in one of the, uh, you know, silliest movies ever, Conan the Barbarian. Let's not forget the brilliant performance he gave us in that when he was wearing the big fur coat thing. I don't know what the heck character he is. Well, every time I saw it, I was like, this is funny. Like, this is just funny. <laughs> like, Will Grace Chamberlain, Jones, right? Arnold Schwarzenegger, Grace Jones. Like, wow. The 80s were a crazy, crazy time, Craig. Mitch, let me tell you. I think I saw that in the movies. Though. Did you really? <laughs> That's amazing if you did. Wow. I I and did. Jake... I'm almost positive I saw it in, like, a summer camp movie, I think. I saw it in the movie. Oh, my yeah. God. So he took you guys to, like, 10-year-old Craig Mitch and, and taking him to see Clan the Barbarian? I'm, By the I'm way. I'm almost positive I went to see that that's... at camp in the movies. Oh, my God. Like, that's, wow. So talk about letters from parents. It's all starting in. to, like, the memory is now starting to come back. I take it back. It wasn't with camp. It was with a bunch of us after camp. Oh, uh, okay. I was going to say, I don't think the it's organized all coming back. How am I remembering this? I wow. don't know, but the permission slip for Conan the Barbarian to the Mr. and Mrs. Mish. Can Craig please come to the movies with us to see Red Sonia as well? Uh, but James Earl Jones also in that movie, which is, makes it even funnier because you have one of, the, well, he's the bad guy in the movie. You got one of the great actors of our generations right here. And, and then there's Will Chamberlain. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, you can't think of a real wacky thing there, but good for Wilt uh, to uh, make a little movie appearance as well. I think he did a few other ones, but, uh, you know, better better known for his basketball skills than his acting skills. Like, we can agree on that. I would agree, yes. <laughs> 2002, the MLB All-Star Game ends in a tie, 7-7, and this led to arguably the dumbest decision <laughs> in baseball history, where they had the All-Star Game determining who would get the home field advantage. This will go down... I mean, look, they're making a lot of changes to the game, and I, you can agree with some, you can disagree with some. It creates good conversation. But to look back on it now, to award the home field of the World Series based on an exhibition game was definitely the dumbest thing that I, I think baseball ever did. Now, they did away with it a couple of years ago, finally. But it made no sense at the time. It still makes no sense now. And it basically was sort of like covering up for a mistake that Bud Selig made at the time, which right. was stopping the game. They should have just kept it going. Like, I mean, I don't get it. And and, and I think, honestly, had that game kept going, we never would have had that. But and the worst part was, was it was a good game. If you were, It was actually it, a really it, it fun game. game. That was the game where, uh, was it Barry Bonds picked up Torrey Hunter when he robbed his home run? Remember that? Like, that was that was all, it was Milwaukee, right, I believe, at the time? Uh, and it was yeah, a, it, and that's it Bud Selig's park. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think was, they each had one pitcher left. They were afraid that they were going to go, it, look, regardless of it, 
it was the biggest bonehead move that baseball <laughs> had ever made. I mean, you want to talk about fighting over labor and all this other stuff. I mean, there's purpose behind that. There was no reason whatsoever to do this. Well, the purpose was, like you said, fear of burning out these guys that are basically on loan for an exhibition game. You don't want anybody to get hurt. Or no, pitch, stopping pitch. the game, yes, but making it the, the home field oh, advantage. Oh, making it the home field advantage. Series? Oh, yeah, that's totally stupid. Absolutely. And I don't like games that end at a tie, period. Like, I hate NFL games that end at a tie. I hate that Major League Baseball had a tie in the All-Star game. Just find a way. And now, you know, I guess it was this man on second base. We're going to, uh, you know, probably eliminate that as well. Yeah, man on second base is going to make the games even longer because they're going to all be doing wacky things because they've never experienced it before. <laughs> well, and I mean, wait a minute. Hold on. Major League Baseball managers have never tried this before, and they're going to do it in regular season games. So therefore, but it was part of the World Baseball Classic, so it's not like no one's ever seen it before, and some of the players are aware of it. Yeah, but from a managerial point of view, you're going to see some bunting, and then they're going to be missing the ball and stealing third, and the games are just going to go longer. You'll see. You'll see. Right, uh, you'll see. <laughs> you'll see on this one. Uh, 2018, David Tepper buys the Carolina Panthers for $2.275 billion, and now it all makes sense. David Tepper's buying the Panthers, new team, new regime, new coach, new quarterback, and a teardown of the Panthers. Uh, he's going to do it his way. This is what happens a lot with ownership, and certainly uh, we wish the Panthers good luck this season because they're going to need it. All right. <laughs> oh, th ouch. This day in fantasy sports birthdays for July the 9th. 1947, O.J. Simpson was born, former Heisman Trophy Award winner, and uh, and honestly, the moment in history that we'll all never forget with uh, the day that he had the slow speed chase, and certainly everybody's got an O.J. story. I've got a few of them. Uh, needless to say, as a professional athlete, he's got to go on the list, so we wish him a happy birthday today. Uh, no, 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 I don't think we need to. I think we can acknowledge it. I don't think we have to say happy birthday. I think it's okay. Don't say happy birthday, OJ. No. I, I, I'm, I'm going to pass. You can. I'm going to pass. I like my job here. I'm going to hang on to this. All here. right. I just got back. I mean, geez. You know, like, you know, I've only been back here a couple months doing the show with you. I feel like Joe's it's a trap. Gonna, Joe, Joe will pass. We had him on the list. So he is. We could have <laughs> just not included him. You, you had him on the list, and he had a brilliant career in college. He had a brilliant NFL career. Uh, uh, I don't want to say a brilliant film career. I mean, it kind of came full circle with the Will Chamberlain discussion. I don't know if his performances in uh, the Naked Gun films are really that high up, but uh, yeah, let's, uh, we acknowledge his birthday, but I'm not going to say happy birthday. You can. Go for it. I'm... Uh, I'll pass on that. All right, okay, good. I right think we're right. But it is his birthday today. It is It is his birthday today. All right, we can say happy birthday to Willie Wilson. Is that cool? Yeah, oh, I love Willie. Hey, everybody okay, good. Wilson. 1955, okay. Willie Wilson, great hitter with the Kansas City Royals for many, many years. Uh, you know, borderline Hall of Famer, played at a time where hits were the big thing and batting average was the big thing, and certainly he accomplished that when he was with Kansas City and, and I believe won a World Series with them as well. 1957, Jim Paxson, who uh, honestly in his own right was a really good NBA player for the Portland Trailblazers for many years, the brother of John Paxson. John is known for a little bit more, but Jim was actually uh, just as good as a player for sure. Yeah. Uh, 1970, uh, Trent Green, really good quarterback with uh, Kansas City, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and then went mm -hmm. on to play, uh, well, actually started with the Rams. Started with the Rams, went, yep. Yeah, started with the Rams, and he was the heir apparent to uh, Kurt Warner, if I'm not mistaken. And no, then he, he got was, hurt. Oh, well, he was the, not heir apparent. Oh, he was Warner. the first guy. He was the guy. And then he went down, and that's the famous Dick Vermeule. We will yeah. play, and we will rally around Kurt Warner. We will play good football. And then Dick Vermeule went and cried for a good half hour after that. Uh, and then <laughs> the rest is history, as they say. Kurt Warner takes him to a Super Bowl. They become the greatest show on turf. And Trent Green, uh, a couple years later, is in Kansas City. And he was uh, a good quarterback. For he was a good quarterback. He, yeah. he was very talented. I mean, that injury was, you know, a no look, whenever you have a major injury like that, I don't know if anybody ever bounces back the same. Uh, very few do. But yeah, Trent Green had a, a pretty good NFL career, but it's kind of unfortunate. He was the chosen one basically in that Rams offense. And I, you have to pause and wonder, right, if that injury doesn't happen. Is that team as good with Trent Green as they were with Kurt Warner? Was he just the right question. guy in the right system? You'll never know the answer to it, but it's one of those fascinating things. You know, obviously Kurt Warner would not have happened if Green stayed healthy, but would right. the Rams have been the greatest show on turf with this offense? And, you know, you would venture to say yes, and maybe we would be looking at Trent Green in a very different light because of those few years with that offense. Yeah, Mark Bolger was really good for them after Kurt Warner went down. So, um, you know, probably so. And then 1973, Damon Heward, former quarterback in the NFL. It was interesting. Uh, Damon Heward's career is basically the guy at the time 
that was anointed by uh, Jimmy Johnson to replace Dan Marino at quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. And then some guy named Jay Fiedler came around (laughs) and beat him out in a competition in training camp, and Jay Fiedler ended up being the quarterback of of the Miami Dolphins. And Hewitt's tenure was very short with Miami and uh, played a number of years as a backup quarterback in the NFL, but that's what we got. When did Scott Mitchell show up into that equation? That was before. That was, that was that was the one year that Marino missed. He missed the whole year. Ah, uh, okay. Sometimes I, that, he that's... was he was running back to pass. He tore out. He blew out right. his Achilles. Mitchell came in, played twelve games or thirteen games. Yeah, I remember. And then signed with the Lions. And then Marino came back. Ah, uh, yes, right, right, right. Yeah, you got to keep those years, uh, <laughs> those years straight. That's a little difficult there. You know, going back to Paxson real fast because we just kind of touched on him briefly. That was one of the more interesting side stories in that Jordan documentary was Paxson and and his backstory and all of that. That was something I did not know about. So that was pretty cool to learn about Paxson and some of his, you know, some other things there too. And uh, and the Kerr story too. Like it was cool to get well, little pieces. this is pieces not John other... Paxson. Is... No, I know. Well, you said they were brothers. So I assume brothers, you know, have cool stories and things like that. But John had a cool story of, of you know, his emergence in That's the league. It's not his birthday like... today. I know, but I'm just saying it was a kind of cool thing. Hey, a Paxson's a Paxson. Happy I birthday. I like George Brett, too, Joe, but it's not his birthday. <laughs> well, long, as long as we don't talk about O.J. Simpson anymore, we need to get to Brandon. Jeez. <laughs> okay, on that note, we're going to take a, long a break. Morning. <laughs> we'll be right back with more fantasy sports today. Right here on Sports Grid, we're going to get into some more baseball issues. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is SportsGrid. And welcome back. A little bit over two weeks away from the opening up of the Major League Baseball season. And uh, time is ticking on a lot of players that are not presently in their baseball camps to get into camp. Because otherwise they're going to not only miss opening day, but this ain't like missing opening day with a 162-game season. You miss two or three weeks of the season and you are... Not worth taking in a fantasy draft, that is for sure. And so we're sort of diving into this. Now, keep in mind, a lot of this is fluid. We've discussed different players that have since come back to play. But we're you know, sort of updating everything as we go. And if there is a player that is missing from a camp and we don't know the reason why, well, then you kind of know the reason why. And that's what we're going to get into here, as we always do with our updates in fantasy. And our first today is Julio Tehran of the Los Angeles Angels who, uh, you know, as of now is still waiting on his test report. And what's happening in baseball, as I learned yesterday, is that uh, the reports come back. Either you are positive, you're negative, or you're pending. And some of the pendings mean that it could be positive or it could be negative. And so in this case, for Julio Tehran, uh, it is a pending, from what I understand. And uh, look, last year, he had another solid year. I think, Joe, you mentioned it the other day. The guy does make a lot of starts every year, 33 last year. Uh, 3.81 earned run average, if Tehran is not going to be available first or second time through, and keep in mind, if he doesn't get on a mound and start throwing, he is at best a number five starter for the Angels. At worst, he doesn't start for the Angels. And so we have mm. to start looking at backup options. Of course, they have Andrew Heaney and Griffin Canning and a pretty you know more solid rotation that they've had with the Angels and Otani in a long time. They actually have some viable pitchers, and maybe in a short season they could actually stay healthy. But, Joe, uh, one of the names is Patrick Sandoval. I know that, you know, some people have been on him. I've I've seen that in the pitching community. Some people think that there's more there than what we saw last year. He did strike out 42 in Mm -hmm. 39 innings. Sandoval is really the perfect example of someone that can have an impact in a short season. But if you were to ask me over the course of 162, I probably wouldn't touch this guy. But, look, if the guy can make eight starts and he strikes out, you know, a guy per inning, it pretty much means he's going to give you some value this year again. This is in the situation that if Tehran is out for longer than these 10 days that they're uh, put him on. Yeah, and look, I, I think that's what you're looking for. You're looking for, does a guy have a decent enough K per nine rate? The answer is yes. 
Uh, does he have a good enough offensive support? Theoretically, yeah, he does. So those are a couple of things there that go in his favor. And maybe you do get, I don't know, three or four starts out of this guy. And who knows? You know, we've seen stranger things happen where a guy could get hot and stick into a rotation too. And maybe a Griffin Cannon gets bumped or someone else who struggles right out of the gate. But the bigger problem is here, Julio Tehran being already kind of a question mark to start the season because this is a guy. And yeah, I did point it out. And I just want to point it out once again, since 2013, you ready for this? 30 starts, 33 starts, 33 starts, 30 starts, 32 starts, 31 starts, 33 starts. Those guys don't grow on trees. So whether, whatever you think about Julio Tehran, and if you're a Braves fan, you think, well, he never quite lived up to the hype. But you know what? Julio Tehran took the ball every fifth day. And if you're going to pitch to a career 3.67 ERA and take the ball every day, you're giving your team a chance to win. And I think he was an integral part to this Angels rotation. And it's starting to feel between the Trout stuff, between Tehran, we're still waiting to find out about exactly what Otani's going to be and, and things like that. I don't know. It's starting to feel like all of the bad things, Murphy's Law things, could be starting to domino for certain teams. And maybe the Angels are one of them. And I don't want to think that. I'm hoping it's not that. But it's hard not to start to get that feeling. And we start to get this feeling and you're already taking away a guy from rotation who you look at is, OK, maybe he's not the high end ace guy, but he's the stable guy. You remove the stable guy. That is a very difficult thing to feel. And that's something that we have to start looking at opportunities for unders. And these are start, certain things that are starting to pop up here for teams like the Angels, where maybe the under starts to become more attractive as more of these things happen to one team before they change the numbers over on FanDuel. So I'm curious, do you think that Sandoval is a guy that you're investing in or you're just going to wait on Teheran and hope for the best here for a couple weeks? Yeah, I, I think that anybody at this stage that is a pitcher that is having issues getting on the field, at best they're the four or five starter. And that goes for the guys in Philadelphia, the guys with the Angels, maybe Lazardo, who we talked about yesterday. Uh, Tehran's hopeful that he could come back this weekend. And if he does, that does change the equation. It puts him in the mix again to potentially start. Uh, Miami, in particular, are, are having an inter-squad game uh, later today where both their starters are going five innings. That's today. And so right. you can do the math. Every five days is when a guy will start. Alcantara is on the mound today. Uh, you know, you could fast forward, you know, five, 10, 15 days. Guess what? That's the opening day starter for the Miami Marlins. So... In order to start the first week of the season, you have to be starting this weekend. I mean, you you have uh, thir uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You have to be on a mound in an inter squad game or an exhibition game throwing five. I mean, you have to, uh, or else you're basically not ready for the start of the season. So uh, hard for me to believe that Tehran will be, but could he make four starts this year? Yeah, I mean that's that's still certainly possible. He's just got to get back on the field. Uh, another another piece of bad news for a pitcher. <laughs> is Eduardo Rodriguez of the Boston Red Sox, who tested positive, and he is not with the club yet. And, uh, you know, right now the Red Sox just don't have a lot, of, a lot of other options behind him. And one of them is Colin McHugh, who wouldn't have been ready for the start of the season and ironically has some wacky contract that essentially paid him only to play. And, and he actually went uh, on one of the local sports radio stations, and there is like a scenario where he actually owes the Red Sox money. Right wait, wait, what? How can that? It, it's some bizarre be... scenario that when he signed, I guess he signed with some uncertainty of, of something happening, and he actually has to pitch to get paid. Okay. So uh, he got paid for the months that he was out, which means that if he doesn't pitch now, he would have to give them uh... money back. It's something, it's something crazy. That what I don't a even fascinating think... thing. As a Mets fan, I wish there was an Armando Benitez contract that was structured like that, where like he had to pay us to watch him pitch or had to pay back it's, the Mets for some, some of those uh, <laughs> those appearances late game. I'll tell you, it, it, it's uh, a strange one. I don't completely I get understand it, it but, it, but no, there is it. a scenario where he owes money or something crazy. <laughs> but either way, look, I, I was very high on McHugh. He disappointed me in a big, big way. Yeah. And, and truth be told, this guy just may be better set as a reliever at this stage. He's a really good starter. He's a high strikeout guy. He's got some of the best stuff in the league, but it, it just didn't work as, with him as a starter. And that was a bust for me. Last yeah. year, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, 19 and six with a 3.81. Uh, McHugh, as you could see, 9.9 uh, strikeouts per nine innings last season. I think Colin McHugh, within a year or two, is going to be hater. You know, like he is going to be an unbelievable middle reliever, closer type. He was two years ago with Houston. I think he needs to get back to that with Boston. And look, who knows if Brandon Workman ends up being the closer for them long term. I know he had a good year last year, but he's certainly an option. Here's the bottom line. Boston doesn't have anyone else. And so anyone who they're going to have to replace Eduardo Rodriguez, if this is the case, I don't think you want to touch. I couldn't find a good name.
Well, Colin McHugh is going to be 33 years old, too. So, I, I mean, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, Joe Nathan didn't become a closer until I think he was, what, 31? So, you never know. Sometimes these guys do find it late and then become closers. And I mean, work, six, the guy was there, Brandon Workman. Was he a closer? He's been, he's been no, around forever. No, exactly. So, I mean, you never know. With Colin McHugh, he could find himself in that role. And I think if you go back and look at the track record, even go back to the Mets days, you always saw the, the, the arm. The arm was always good. It was just a matter of he couldn't, you know, that second or third time through a lineup. It wasn't working. Uh, and then he kind of found himself like everybody seems to find themselves in Houston. I mean, <laughs> what's amazing is you go and you look at the track record of Houston and some of these pitchers they've gotten. It's it's not just the Verlanders of the world. I mean, they turn guys like Charlie Morton into a strikeout machine. Charlie Morton didn't strike out anybody <laughs> with the Pirates. And then all of a sudden he shows up there. Next thing you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, look at this guy. He's unbelievable. And he goes to a couple more years with the Rays and he's been fantastic. This Eduardo Rodriguez lost, though is one that the Red Sox can ill afford. This is a rotation already behind the eight ball, and now you lose the guy who became the default number one. This is another team where you look at the Red Sox, and I understand the lineup is still pretty good, but oh my goodness. I mean, who is taking the ball and who is going to be out there? Like, you, you know, they're going to be losing games 10-8. Like, they're just going to. I'm sorry. It's just, it's unfortunate, but it's true. They're going to score runs. That's fine. But I don't think you can look at this team and think it's going to be a good scene in terms of who's taking the ball and who's going to be on the mounting. And look, maybe Colin McHugh can make a few starts. If they're going to need him to, that's for sure. I think he was basically in the rotation anyway, practically, after the sale injury. So I don't know, man. I think the Red Sox are another team that things like are yeah, not shaping up well for them. Yeah, They're in some trouble. They would rather punt this 60 games, I think. Well, I think they want to are punting this season anyway. One sixty or sixty. Probably mean, so. They just would never admit that. All right, uh, let's end with a little bit uh, more of a smaller one, but could lead to a bigger scenario. Matt Joyce, who signed a one-year deal with the Miami Marlins this off-season, has still yet to be at Marlins camp with an undisclosed issue. We know what that is at this point. Uh, Joyce, whenever he plays, hits. I mean, he he's great against right-handed pitching and. At the very least, he is taking playing time away from somebody else that you like. I mean, that's probably <laughs> the nicest way to put it about uh, Matt Joyce. Uh, I, I think Monte Harrison is making the Marlins. He uh, stole a lot of bases in the exhibition season. He had 20 last year. He had nine home runs. He is really, at this point, probably the best player left in that, in that trade that uh, sent Christian Yelich to Milwaukee. I think Isan Diaz is okay. Uh, I don't know that he's a star. I don't think Yamamoto is, and Lewis Brinson is not. So this is a guy that I think that they want to showcase. Mattingly on a conference call yesterday essentially all but said that this guy's making the team. And so, Joe, I think he is either the Marlins starting center fielder or right fielder on the 24th. And I think he'll play 50 games this year. And I don't think that anybody has him projected for that kind of playing time. I think they should. I think he's going to play. Uh, I'll tell you what, this is a guy you need to be all over in Roto Leagues because he can steal bases. And you know what? It's going to be razor thin this year in terms of stolen bases and the opportunities for that. And there's no reason not to be aggressive with Monte Harrison. I mean, what, what do you have to lose? Nothing. Yeah, so, nothing I, I mean, he had a really good spring. He was dealing bases in the spring, as you pointed out. And uh, if he's going to get everyday at-bats or anything close to everyday at-bats, then why wouldn't you try to be all over this? It's a situation that I think you're all over. By the way, Matt Joyce, 12 years already in the big leagues. That, that's crazy. Like, I just you kind of look up and where did the time go? But, wow, 12 years of ruining other and, players and always that you want good. to play. Wherever he goes. He's always good against righties everywhere he goes. Always good against righties, wherever he is. And, and, you know, when Miami got him, if they thought that there was universal DH, I don't think that they would have pulled the trigger there because he was more of, like, play three days a week, pinch hit the right. others. Um, but but now, obviously, they can't announce what's what the deal is with him, but he has yet to show up. And um, there's two weeks left, Joe. So, you know, I mean, you, they're, they're sort of running out of time there. And I, th I think Harrison has, has earned himself a spot on the roster for sure. Now we'll see if uh, that Christian Yelich trade ends up paying any dividends because he's really the main one. A lot one. of pressure on that kid. Poor kid, man. <laughs> I don't put that evil on him. Well, it was on up. Brinson there for a while, right? Well, not in my book. I thought that was a bust from the get-go. I mean, but we can get on another segment on that. But I just I didn't see what everybody else thought. They, you see the athleticism, but you don't see the baseball acumen, and that's the problem. I mean, you can be a great athlete. Baseball's a lot harder than that. It's a different kind of game, and I just, you know – Everyone kept trying to make Brinson happen. It's unfortunate it did not, but it's just the truth. And he's not there either, by the way. He is just to <laughs> that might be All a right, positive. Uh, well, not yet to report, but can't report. You guys can do the math on that. All right, uh, coming up next, uh, the great Bob Harris, uh, the football diehard, is going to join Joe next. Some really fun fantasy football conversations, so make sure you stay tuned, as we'll be right back with Bob after this.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P, Joe Pizzapia, and welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid. And our next guest is one of my favorite people. He is a mentor and a friend, and he is one of those people that knew way before Hamilton that there's enough room in the world for many voices in fantasy football. And I appreciated that as I was coming up with draft guides of my own. This is one of the great inspirational figures to me, even though he'll say, ah, shut up, Joe, stop talking already. But it's true. So Bob Harris, Mr. Football Diehard himself, welcome to the program, my friend. I totally bailed on you. I should have had my black book. (laughs) Well, you know, speaking of books, I know that you've got a lot of magazines coming out as well. So uh, tell everybody when the uh, Football Diehards magazines are going to start dropping in stores all over this fine country of ours. Right. You might not have heard, Joe, it's an odd off season. So uh, we usually do five. We're doing two this year. The pro forecast, 31st year straight. So have that one coming out. And that's our biggest title and always our biggest seller. And also the Football Diehards magazine, 20th season of that. And then next year we'll come back full bore. It's hard to find all the paper and everything you need all in one place anymore to make a million magazines. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, don't, don't kill any more trees, Bob. I mean, you know, no. you gotta, you gotta save some trees here. You gotta go to the digital copies. Like I got in the black book too. You gotta go to those digital ones, but also you can always hear Bob on football diehards and NFL uh, radio on Sirius XM. Uh, so not just the fantasy channel, but also on NFL network, but Bob, Enough about you. Let's talk about NFL. And let's start with Dalvin Cook, who's holding out, obviously, this year to start the year. And this is to no one's surprise whatsoever. We all know that Dalvin Cook was going to hold out. And this was kind of a preconceived notion. The question is, how long? How should it affect us in drafts? And is it worth starting to consider Alexander Madison? Again, kind of I feel like we're in another uh, weird Hamilton loop here as we're talking. But is it worthy of uh, starting to look elsewhere? Or are we thinking that everything between the Vikings and Dalvin Cook's going to get all worked out before the season starts? Please, yes, everybody drafting with me, look elsewhere. Flee! <laughs> Flee the scene, because you don't want any of that. In all seriousness, uh, I don't think the holdout is a real, the threat is realistic. Uh, the CBA changed this year. And so basically, if Cook holds out, if Cook holds out, he's limiting his next year money to five, four to five million dollars because he'll remain a restricted free agent. So <clears throat> my guess is this is the kind of contentious of, you know, public part portion of negotiations <laughs> and behind the scenes, things are going along swimmingly. And that'll be great. I think uh, the more people who are worried about him possibly holding out, who haven't dug a little deeper and are worried about the uh, ongoing injury issues, which. You know, honestly, they've been a bit of an issue, but not as much as people perceive, I don't think. So uh, the more of that, the better value I get when I'm drafting him. And if you can drive that price down, it's been kind of locked in at four overall, which I think is fair. 1,135 yards rushing last year, did not play the whole season. Uh, He's threatening to get 2,000 yards from scrimmage this year. Had he played fully all last year, he certainly would have hit that. Uh, So, and Gary Kubiak also. You know, I mean, I don't know if any of you are familiar with like Arian Foster, Terrell Davis. <laughs> yeah, he's got a Hornets, good track Atlanta, record there. Gary, Steve Slayton, Dominic <laughs> Davis. I don't know, man. He makes these. If he can spin this straw into gold, what's he going to spin the gold into? Because he has gold in Dalvin Cook. It's funny because Cook isn't one of those, you know, off the chart numbers guys in terms of speed and all the spark scores. But that kind of belies the on-field production, which has been all that and more. And so I think as long as he's on the field, this offense is going to be designed around him. They're as run-heavy as anyone in the league. And they certainly were last year. I don't think that Kevin Stefanski leaving changes that. I think Gary Kubiak coming in as the core, as the, as the consultant last year was a big part of that uh, run-heavy approach. And I expect it to fully continue. I think it benefits everyone there. But mostly it benefits my guy, Dalvin Cook. And he's a hell of a playmaker uh, I, I honestly, I feel like if he had played fully, it is like last year, some of those last few games where he was playing, the shoulder was a bit of an issue. He was limited in the terms of his touches. He would have hit that 2000 from scrimmage. Uh, and in the meantime, I, I think Madison remains, you know, the top plug and play, the guy you right. would expect to come in. Well, he had a hundred attempts last year, so it's not right. like he didn't get any work. Right. And you know, Mike Boone's sudden emergence, notwithstanding that was because Madison was a little beat up. So I still think Madison, especially if you draft cook, 
reach up a little bit. Even in standalone leagues over best ball, I think he's a guy that, you know, is worth worth grabbing uh, in case something does happen to Cook, uh, even if you're not the Cook owner. Uh, that's only in leagues I don't already own Cook. Stay away from Madison in those <laughs> leagues. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's one of the – you know, the list of guys, we always talk about handcuffs. I think there are handcuffs and there are plug-and-play kind of guys that you think are going to come in and get that kind of similar significant workload and maybe not share. I think Madison is the top of that list for me. Yeah, I think I see things the same way in terms of the plug-and-play guys, especially this year with the COVID. You never know. Somebody tests right. positive. Next thing you know, you've got a guy who could potentially miss two weeks, and there's a big drop-off on some teams from you know the number one running back to the next guy, whereas Madison, I don't know if the drop-off is as dramatic. Now, you have Cook on your board at four overall, so just for clarification, that's over – uh, Alvin Kamara, correct? Because that I'm kind of Alvin of the same, Kamara. and I'm kind of of the same mind. You know, talk me through that because I, I'm one of these guys too that also is just slightly hesitant as Alvin Kamara. It's not that I don't want to have him. If you get him at like seven, eight, okay, I'm really interested there. But if I'm having to go up to four to get him, for me, that's just a little dicey because this is a guy that you know has yet to really prove without Ingram that he can be that same fantasy force. And I understand last year there were injuries. I get all that. But at the same time, Bob, when you look at it. You see Cook as a better investment despite the injuries and despite, you know, some of the Alvin Kamara love that's out there. So what is that thought process there for you between the two guys? Right. I think, you know, for me, part of it is the Sean Payton offense is a little more diversified, not as focused yeah. on the one guy. And obviously one of those guys that it diversifies to maybe even if it's the only one being Michael Thomas, that's a ton of targets. Uh, I think Jared Cook will get his maybe Emmanuel Sanders comes in and and lifts the raises the bar for that wide receiver too in that offense. But even still, I think Kamara's, you know, the touchdowns weren't there last year. I think he could easily score more touchdowns, easily climb back up into the top five. I see people drafting him as early as two, trying to be a little forward thinking on this. I think that's within the range of possible outcomes, too. I just think for Cook, it's a little more certain. Uh, the workload's a little more certain in the portion of the offense. And I think that, that, that was the key for me. I think I had the number in front of me. Uh, the Vikings committed to the run. 47% of the time, second highest mark in the NFL after the Ravens. And to me, that's kind of the, the hair splitter for me is just the intention of the offense. Right. Whereas I think that's going to be the game plan every single week, no matter what. I think with Sean Payton, you come in, he's going to be trying to threaten defenses in a variety of ways, you know, using all the different pieces, including Taysom Hill, you know, to create mismatches and do things. And that doesn't keep Alvin Kamara from doing great things. It just makes you question whether that's going to be the intent every week. All right, let's talk about another guy that I have a lot of intentions of drafting. I think you do as well. He scored 11 touchdowns last year, and he did not have his quarterback for the entire season. He's Kenny Galladay, and clearly Galladay's been one of these guys that from year one we were all very excited about. We saw the big body. We saw the opportunity here. We saw the emerging presence of a wide receiver one, and last year everything kind of came together. And Matt Stafford was on an incredible, you know, beginning. In fact, a, a crazy stat, too, through age 31 season, Matt Stafford is number one in completions uh, and number three in touchdowns, if you can believe it. So right. uh, this is a guy that's been very good and very consistent throughout his career. Now, the back is a concern, but at the same time, if Stafford is healthy, how bullish are you on Galladay this year to basically, I mean, even if it repeats last season, I think we're all thrilled, right? But I feel like the Galladay value is slightly suppressed right now because so of because of the Stafford back injury. Do you think that's the reason or is it something else? I think it's just, you know, people, we have a tendency, especially this time of year, maybe even more so this year, we're drafting last year's best team, right? We're right. drafting based on what happened and we're not projecting. And if you're projecting and you're looking ahead, you can see with the Matthew Stafford difference. I think that's almost what you're drafting. If you value Galladay more than others is Matthew Stafford, right? This guy's right. coming back. And I think Mike Clay had a statistic. Uh, Lions offense scored 21 touchdowns, 2.6 per game during Stafford's eight games last year compared to 14, 1.8 a game after he was hurt. You know, you lift that back up. I'm not saying Galladay is going to get all those additional touchdowns, but Galladay might get some of those additional touchdowns. And he <laughs> certainly he'll get more than 65 catches. We certainly think he'll go over 1,000 yards again. It seems like simple arithmetic to me. So, I, And that's what I, I think this guy could be a top three, could be a top five wide receiver playing with Matthew Stafford for a full season. So that's one of the reasons why I like him a lot this year is I'm getting that discount that i love you know i like the discount uh, hey who doesn't like a good discount come on we all like a good discount let's talk about daniel jones who's kind of a discounted quarterback as well in the qb2 range and super flex now last year he didn't have one single game where he had all the weapons on the field so there was not one game where saquon ingram the three wide receivers were all out there at the same time and healthy now if you put that out there and you look at the difference of daniel jones numbers when saquon was healthy and when saquon was not 
very drastically different, but he did show he could get some fancy points with his legs. And to me, this is a really nice QB two and super flex. I don't think he's quite a QB one yet. Uh, but at the same time, are you surprised by how good Daniel Jones was at times last year? Or was this basically something where Gettleman just sits back now and laughs at everybody and said, ha ha, I told you so. <laughs> well, that too. In addition, he, he was also the top five quarterback uh, four times. Four times. Only Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, and Jameis Winston did it more. Right? Mm. He had over 25 fantasy points. Look, if you're kind of looking for that 20 points plus range for quarterbacks, he's more than capable of getting it. As you mentioned, didn't have all the weapons at his disposal all year long. We went for a period without Saquon Barkley or full-speed Saquon Barkley as well. So I think that makes a difference, too. You see if you can make a nice connection with Darius Slayton. Didn't have Evan Ingram. There's a lot to like here, not the least of which is maybe Jason Garrett showing up. I know it'll be a little run-heavier approach, but it worked out okay for guys like Tony Romo. And, you know, I, I just feel like this is a good situation. And you mentioned the thing that kind of gets me enthusiastic as well on top of that is the mobility. It's overlooked with him you know we all think of josh allen as a top 10 quarterback and and mm -hmm. one of the reasons why is that floor he brings with his mobility i think jones brings a little bit just gotta hold on to it. secure the ball son yeah um, well that's the big problem is the fumbles but, you know but, but he I said he's working on that so that's let's hopefully that that's something he can and you know what to that extent too bob I mean, how much of that, the the fumbles and the lost fumbles at that too, do you put on the offensive line that really Fair has amount. been a problem? I, I would Fair agree amount. with that. And I think the other thing you know that you can do here, one of my approaches, you know I love this approach, is you reach up a little bit for the rising quarterback because there's Matthew Stafford waiting as your quarterback too or some other guy, some other veteran guy that's going to be not going or not as trendy. So I'm not afraid to reach up for a Jones guy I think has a ton of upside. We're all looking at Kyler Murray as the year two, two guy who's going to make the big splash. Oh, yeah, you're going to pay for that. You're not paying for it so much with Jones. Reach up around round nine, you know, maybe he's still there around 10. And then look behind him and see if you can't get a Matthew Stafford or one of the, you know, look, I've seen Aaron Rodgers go in some of the drafts. We've been in, you know, later than him. I mean, we get a little edgy in some of the industry drafts, and that's probably <laughs> not going to be the same in the home league. But you maybe get him even a little later, and, you know, they're going to be Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, guys like that sitting around. And he might be one of these guys, too, Bob, that you think about and say, uh, like we just talked about the running backs, you know, at any given time, someone tests positive for COVID, they are right. going to come out for a couple of weeks. So even in a single quarterback league this year, having a very capable second quarterback is not the worst idea in the world. It's just not like it's something I think we all have to prepare for. And if you're drafting Drew Brees, you might even want to think about a Winston. You know, I don't want to handcuff quarterbacks all over the place, but you also have to look at we've been talking about this a lot. Some of the teams and what the structures look like when you downgrade from that starting quarterback to the next guy. Some of those drop-offs are significant and others not so much. So you got to kind of hedge your bets a little bit. When Bob and I come back, we're going to have a fun discussion. We're going to talk about some fantasy points to be had on some bad teams because I know it's one of Bob's favorite things. He likes to look for the cheap assets that are out there sometimes and use them to his advantage because he's a cagey man, and that's why I love him. So we're going to hit a break. We come back here on Fantasy Sports Today. We're going to talk about some of the lesser teams in the NFL that might have some decent fantasy options. We'll be back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 